Let's open the Holy Scriptures together to 2 Kings chapter 5. Second Kings chapter 5, we intend to give some thought and consideration to the first part of the chapter this morning and, God willing, the second part this afternoon, the two parts forming a whole. This morning we want to begin at verse 1 of Second Kings 5 and conclude at the first part of verse 19. Hear now the blessed word of God. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favor because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Now the Syrians, on one of their raids, had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, Would that my lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his lord, Thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. The king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, Know that I have sent to you Naaman my servant that you may cure him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come now to me, that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean." But Naaman was angry and went away, saying, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and and call upon the name of the Lord his God and, and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not the Abana and the Parpar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. But his servants came near and said to him, My father, it is a great word that the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, Wash and be clean? 
So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child and he was clean. Then he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and he came and stood before him and he said, Behold, I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. So accept now a present from your servant. But he said, As the Lord lives before whom, I'm, before whom I stand, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. And then Naaman said, If not, please let there be given to your servant two mule loads of earth. For from now on your servant will not offer burnt offering or sacrifice to any god but the Lord. In this matter, may the Lord pardon your servant. When my master goes into the house of Rimon to worship there, leaning on my arm, and I bow myself in the house of Rimon, when I bow myself in the house of Rimon, the Lord pardon your servant in this matter. He said to him, Go in peace. Matter of reference, let's also read from the Canons of Dort, the first chapter. The back of the uh, Trinity Hymnal, it's on page 897. While we may not make direct connection in the proclamation, we might say that all over in the portion of Scripture that we just finished hearing together, these truths come forth. So the first four articles of the first chapter of the Canons of Dort, Article 1 coming to us under the theme of God's right to condemn all people, since all people have sinned in Adam have, and have come under the sentence of the curse and eternal death, God would have done no one an injustice if it had been his will to leave the entire human race in sin and under the curse, and to condemn them on account of their sin. As the Apostle says, the whole world is liable to the condemnation of God, as we find in Romans 3. And all have sinned and are deprived of the glory of God. Also Romans 3. And the wages of sin is death. Romans 6. Article 2. The manifestation of God's love. But this is how God showed his love. He sent his only begotten son into the world. So that whoever believes in him should not perish. But have eternal life. From First John and the Gospel of John. Article 3, the preaching of the gospel in order that people may be brought to faith. God mercifully sends proclaimers of this very joyful message to the people he wishes and at the time he wishes. By this ministry, people are called to repentance and faith in Christ crucified. For how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? 
And how shall they hear without someone preaching? And how shall they preach unless they have been sent? From Romans 10. In Article 4, the twofold response to the gospel. God's anger remains on those who do not believe this gospel, but those who do receive it and embrace Jesus the Savior with a true and living faith are delivered through him from God's anger and from destruction and receive the gift of eternal life. Thus far from the testimony of our forefathers, we want to hear once again the words of verse 14. So he that is Naaman went down and dipped himself seven times into Jordan according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child and he was clean. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, at the heart of who we are, what we do, lies our religious convictions, our faith, our belief. Man, it is said, is a a religious creature, and we confess uh, life is religion. All of this is to say that, that our outlook, the way we choose to speak, And uh, what we do, what we aim for, is very much determined by what we believe. And to believe is part of our created nature. And that is true whether one holds to biblical Christianity or Hinduism, whether one is a devout follower of New Age ideas or humanism or materialism and so forth. This past week I had the privilege of traveling with the uh, grade 11 class at, in Kamoka, Providence Reform Collegiate, the World Religions class, and we visited a, a, a Sikh temple and a Hindu temple, and those people were very religious. They were very devoted to what they believed they ought to believe, and uh, we, we saw a lot of sadness. We saw a lot of idolatry. We saw a lot of emptiness. If someone believes that they need to love God as revealed in the Holy Scriptures, to serve Him, to obey Him, that someone will act differently than one who who believes they need to assert themselves and do what is pleasing to them. And these differences will be noticeable in the, the attitudes, the word choices, what they think concerning their neighbors and their colleagues and how they work and how they raise their families, and the list can go on. Now, this distinction is driven home to us once again in our scripture lesson this morning. What we have before us is a man who is dramatically confronted with true religion, true faith, 
confronted with the religion of sovereign free grace, uh, confronted with God's claim over all of creation. It, It seems that Naaman, when he came to Israel, expected to be cured by some kind of magical power. Through Elisha's words, that is to say, through the word of the Lord, Naaman had to learn many, many lessons. He had to learn what what true faith, true religion was all about. He, He had to learn to confess the one true God. He had to learn that what God gives as a gift cannot be repaid. A gift that must be cherished purely as a gift. And he had to learn that the grace of God alone can wash away all our guilty stains. The entire episode before us revolves around the name of the Lord. It was the Lord who had given victory to Syria. Now perhaps Syria did not recognize this. But it was true nonetheless. The army commander Naaman was held in high regard by the king of the land because through him the Lord had granted a victory. He was a mighty man of valor. But then we have that little word in scripture, but. But he was a leper. And at this point, the careful reader of Scripture is forced to stop the man who had in the eyes of the world so much going for him lived with a death sentence. And we know that even uh, until recently, those uh, afflicted with leprosy have, have died an agonizing death for there was no cure. It was a living death. And slowly the the flesh of the leper's body rotted away. Ironically, Naaman's name means one who is well-formed, beautiful. But as a leper, even his name became a reproach. Now the Lord brought Israel's history and the personal history of Naaman into contact with each other. Boys and girls, from your study of Bible history, you may remember that the custom of armies then was to invade someone else's territory, to plunder, to, to wreck houses and farms, to take home whatever, they, whatever pleased them. And the Bible tells us that on one of the Syrian raids, the Syrians had captured a young Israelite girl who was forced to become a slave in Naaman's home. Now, boys and girls, you and I, we together cannot begin to imagine how that would be experienced if all of a sudden someone came into your home and took you away as a slave. It would have been devastating. You'd be separated from your family. You couldn't talk to your mom or dad. And you wouldn't even know what was happening to them. You would be, as it were, gone forever. You would be forced to to live in the house of strangers. And not only with strange people, there would be strange customs, maybe strange food, strange language. Nothing would be the same again. And what is worse, what is worse, you would be in a place where where God was not worshipped. The place where there was idols and false religion. And oh, how horrid it would be. 
be enough to make you cry. And what would you do then, boys and girls, and the rest of us included, of course, in such a situation? I hope that it could be said of us that we would turn to the Lord, that we would remember that the Lord is with us no matter what may happen to us, and that the Lord will give us the courage to do what is right if we, we seek the strength from him to give us that courage. Now, the capture of this little Israelite girl was one of the results of God's anger over Israel. Not over her in particular, but over the uh, Old Testament covenant community. The people did not live as God had wanted them to live in holy fear before him, in faithfulness to his covenant, and in the joy thereof. Now, in his law... The Lord had warned them, if you will not be obedient to my word, all sorts of calamities will be upon you. And one of them being that your daughters will be carried away by the enemy and be sold as slave girls in the foreign country. This is what the Lord has already told his his people. And we find that in Deuteronomy chapter 28. It's that chapter that talks about the, the blessings of of obedience and the curses for disobedience. And at verse 32, we read your, in terms of the curses of disobedience, your sons and your daughters will be given to another people while your eyes look on and fail with longing for them all the day long, but you shall be helpless. Verse 32. And then at verse 41. You shall father sons and daughters, but they shall not be yours, for they shall go into captivity. Now, from reading our scripture lesson, it seems that this little girl came from a God-fearing family. We, we can believe that that's the case. Belonging to the 7,000 who refused to bow the knee before Baal. And in spite of her age, she confessed her faith with courage. What she believed affected the way she lived and what she told other people. As it is with us, congregation, what we believe will make a difference in how we speak to others and and the way we live in this this country, the communities that we've been placed in. Now, the Bible does not tell us exactly about her conditions, uh, but the Bible does tell us that she loved her neighbor as herself. She loved the one who enslaved her. In fact, she loved her captors enough to tell them about God's word bearer, the man of God, the prophet. She tells them about Elisha. She tells them that God's word would bring a cure for his life. Uh, She lived out of her faith. In the Heidelberg Catechism, we might say she, she knew something about the Heidelberg Catechism already. We confess that because Christ has redeemed us by his blood, because he washes the sheep of his pasture whiter than snow, that we, in all our living, we, through the Holy Spirit, may show, why do we do good works? That we may show that we are thankful to God for all that he has done 
that we will live in, in such a way that he will be praised and we, and we do good so that we may be assured of our faith by its fruit. And so that, and now here's the point as it connects to our scripture lesson, that by our godly living, our neighbors may be won over to Christ. And in a very real sense, we may say that the little girl speaks of the prophet so that Naaman too might know the power of God's holy healing word. That he might know that by the word of God, he might become a changed man. And that he, by her godly living, might be won over to Christ. Now, this witness, when we think about it, Naaman could have said, well, it's just a little girl. What's she talking about? This witness was so striking that Naaman even tells the king of the land, and, and the king of the land does not hold Naaman back. A letter, a passport, we, we might say, is drawn up for the king of Israel, and, and Naaman is on his way. The letter delivered to the king of Israel you can see the king in your mind's eye, opening the letter, his eyes popping open, horrified to read the contents. He tears his garments as a sign of his shock. Why, this is nothing less than a foreign nation looking for an excuse to start a war. After all, is he God who can cure a man from, from a death sentence? But the king of the land could have learned a thing or two from the young girl. What a contrast between the two. The little girl spoke from the faith that was deep within her heart. The king spoke in unbelief. As we read later in the New Testament, what the heart is full of, the tongue speaks. Uh, to be sure, the king mentions the name of God, but he mentioned God's name in unbelief. And again, we must come to the conclusion that it was no wonder that God punished Israel. God, the creator of heaven and earth, was no longer known amongst his own people, his people that had been set aside. We do well to ask congregation how much different is it in our land today. A land that at one time knew something of a Christian heritage. Many people who who take the name of God on their lips, use it as a curse word. And others can only speak of God in a, a very general sense, and there is very little personal knowledge of the living triune God in the hearts of the people of Canada. But now, more particularly, what is living amongst us in the church? And we always do well to remind ourselves of the focus that God asks of our lives. It's also amazing to see that the king of the land does not even think of Elisha. It's one thing to panic. It is another not even to think of the prophet of the land. He did not even consider the possibility that the prophet Elisha might become instrumental in the restoration of Naaman's health. He, he only thought along political lines. Not the spiritual lines. 
In spite of the fact that he, like the little slave girl, must have heard how God had used Elisha as a mighty servant in his service, of miracles that were, as it were, performed through Elisha for God's glory. So we must say, clearly unbelief reigned in the royal palace. Now, somehow, the matter of the king's horror came to Elisha's attention. He sent a message to the king and advising him to send Naaman to himself. Naaman must know that there is a prophet, a word bearer in the land. And so Naaman continues his journey. He, along with his huge entourage, his convey, uh, proceeds to the prophet's house. And it is there that he is humbled. Uh, Not only is it bad enough that the prophet did not come to the palace, but now when Naaman is standing at the front door uh, of the prophet's house, as it were, knocking on the door, the prophet only sends a messenger to him. He does not even meet with him in person. What kind of prophet is that? Who, who is this Elisha anyways? Surely Elisha would come to meet me. Surely he would perform his magical tricks. He, he would call on the name of his God. He, he would wave his hands and I would be healed. Naaman thought that the God of Israel was on the same level as other gods. He expected some ritual to be performed before the actual act of healing took place. Instead, a word is given, a message sent. Go wash in the Jordan seven times. The instruction, the instruction is to show Naaman that the healing would come by the power of the God of Israel, but only if he believed in the obedience of faith. The word of the Lord's prophet was to be heard and responded to. The prophet himself was not the healer. Naaman was to wash in what he considered to be the muddy waters of the Jordan River, to show that there was no natural connection between the washing and the desired healing. And what is more, it would be symbolic of the passing through the river of Jordan, it's an important point, passing through the river of Jordan as Israel had done to enter the promised land, to come into the land of promise through the river. Now Naaman, you you could sense it in his Reaction as we, we read it in the, in the scriptures. He's furious. He wants to go straight back to his own country. He should have stayed home. He didn't want to be treated like a little boy. He, the powerful man from Syria. And what about that Jordan River? That little ditch. That little mud puddle. Were not the rivers of Damascus much better? And to be sure, the, the Jordan River could not compare. But that was not the point. Naaman... Naaman, will you believe, will you believe at the word given? Naaman didn't understand that he was on sacred soil and that the river Jordan meant something because the Lord God did mighty things there. Even as we come to the New Testament and hear John the Baptist proclaim the word of the Lord at that riverside. Now, thankfully, this part of the scripture does not stop here. Naaman's servants mustered all their courage and addressed him. It was a testimony of their care for their master. 
and how it pained them so to see him suffer so. Would he not have done something if the prophet asked of him if it had been a difficult thing to do? Well, at least he could try now that the, that the man told him to do something simple. It's not going to do you any harm. And Naaman, as it were, came to his senses like the prodigal son. You know, you never know. And with this mentality, he, he went into the water and he, he dipped himself seven times. According to the word, the word of the man of God. And you can see in your mind's eye as he goes under once and twice, seven times. And his flesh, the Bible tells us, was restored to that of a little child. When we hold a little one in our hands, and see how beautifully soft that little one's skin is. Once again, his name had meaning. And not only to be healed of the leprosy of his skin, but the leprosy of his heart, just as our hearts need to be healed. This moment in his life, this miracle, this response to the word changed Naaman's life forever. He that humbles himself shall be exalted is the standing law in God's kingdom. Naaman realizes something very profound. I've got to get back to that prophet. Goes directly to Elisha. He makes a confession of faith. Now I know. Now I know there is no God but the God of Israel. And what a wonderful confession of faith. What the slave girl had told him was perfectly true. Naaman was not merely saying that the Lord was more powerful than the Syrian gods. He was confessing that there was but one God. In the Hindu temple there Thousands and thousands and thousands upon thousands. And you never know which one. The Bible's very clear, praise God. We serve the triune God. And in saying this, Naaman receives the gift of faith as his own. What a contrast. Naaman's confession put shame to the Israelites who continue to waver in their understanding on whether Baal and the Lord were both gods, or whether the Lord alone was God. Israel should have known her history lessons. It's so important, congregation, to know something of history. She should have known something of her history, her history where God's wondrous acts of mercy were demonstrated over and over again, and, and then they were still not convinced that God was God. She wanted to play both sides of the fence. Naaman was not only cured of leprosy, but also of idolatry, a far more dangerous disease. And Israel still suffered from the sin of idolatry. Congregation, we need to see something of ourselves in, in Naaman this morning. God used the miracle to bring Naaman to himself. Just as he uses the miracle of salvation wrought in Jesus Christ to bring us to himself. 
Do we not need to be washed? Do we not acknowledge with the scriptures that though our sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow, though they are red like like crimson, they shall be as wool. And from time to time, do we not sing, Now wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow, yes, whiter than snow. Now wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Or with the hymn, There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all, all their guilty stains. Sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Yes, praise be to God. We may, in a very real way, experience what Naaman experienced, peace with God, healing Despite our sins, God will cleanse our lives through faith, all of grace and the washing power of Christ's blood. And this congregation must be to us treasure upon treasure. It is true that by nature we, we'd like to earn something of our own salvation. If I do a little of this, uh, the Lord will, will certainly... Add that to our account. Uh, there are some works righteousness in all of us and we must fight against it for then the honor of our salvation would become ours and that must never be congregation. Grace, God's riches at Christ's expense is, is always a gift of God's sovereign love and the Lord says to us, do you believe this? Believe it. Believe it. Live in the obedience of faith according to, to my word of life. Trust Jesus. And Naaman, we might say, is still learning his catechism lessons. He, he had to learn that, that grace is a free gift from God. Full of joy, he, he makes his confession. He, he demonstrates uh, to all who have years to hear and to this very day that, that there's only but one true God. And yet he wanted to repay the Lord through the prophet. Elisha will accept no such payment. The gift offer is phenomenal. The answer is no. Naaman had to learn to accept what God gave him purely as a gift, a gift that could never be repaid. And he had to receive it as a gift. He had to learn to see the free grace of God. Now, Elisha was no witch doctor who must be paid for his services, but the servant who passes on the word of the great and gracious God. God's word had caused this to happen. Naaman makes a request. Could he please take from this land a double load of soil so that on that soil he could bring his sacrifice to the Lord in his, his own country? He wants to take a bit of Israel with him because Israel's God is the one true God. Now we may wonder, why was this necessary? Even so, perhaps Naaman in his young faith believed that Israel's God could only be worshipped on, on the soil of the place where God was to be worshipped. His request is granted, and he would still have to learn that God is God over the whole of the world. 
He also had to face a dilemma as the king's right-hand man. He would uh, have to take part of the religious ceremonies and then help the king to, to bow down to a false god, Rimmon. Uh, Please, Lord, forgive me of this, is Nathan's request. Now, Elisha did not directly address Naaman's problem of conscience, but instead commended him to the leading and the grace of God as he returned to his pagan environment and official responsibilities. Go in peace. In Luke chapter 4 and verse 27, Jesus called to mind Naaman of long ago to illustrate God's freedom. God chose to heal Naaman, an enemy of Israel, but no Israelites. We read in the gospel, and there were many lepers in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them were cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. And we see the scandal of God's grace so provoked Jesus' listeners that they at that time attempted to kill him. Now there's also a warning in our message today, congregation. Naaman was a warning to Israel. And he remains a warning to the church today. A warning directed at the church not to reject God's word. Now you'll say, of course not. But if you know church history, the church history of our land, where the churches of our land have wandered, and why they have wandered, it's always important for us to be reminded, hold tightly to the truth of God's word. Hold firmly from cover to cover. Always believe the gospel in a free grace. As one Bible teacher put it, we are living on a volcano because everywhere the word of God is denied its power. Now the Lord cannot leave this unfinished. Abraham of long ago, he spoke of that cup of iniquity that was going to be filled, and at a certain point, Israel would be released from their bondage in Egypt. Well, that, that cup continues to be filled. We cannot pretend that we are still part of a Christian civilization. It's simply not so. And yet, by the grace of God, there is still a prophet in Israel, the great prophet, the chief teacher the Lord Jesus Christ, who continues by means of the scriptures to speak his word, who continues to convince his people by the power of the Holy Spirit that the word of God is true. And the Lord Jesus still gives us this beautiful commission as was exercised by that young Israelite gal to proclaim and confess the name of the only true God in the midst of an unbelieving world. That this must be achieved against uh, overwhelming majority, that's not the point. Think of brothers and sisters in China. They hold fast, they hold fast. And just because it becomes more difficult in our time and requires more perseverance, remember that's a gift too, Press on, press on. 
And may God grant us, congregation, the courage and the zeal to, to testify in word and deed, even as we prayed earlier in the worship service, that there is only one true God, a God who heals not only lepers of their physical diseases, but is able to perform the greatest miracle of all, to forgive our sins for Christ's sake, and thus to heal our life. The greatest wonder of all ages is that we are granted to to be living in communion with our Lord, which is the wonder of free grace in Jesus Christ. And to the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, may be praise forever and ever. Amen. Father in heaven, as we have had these few moments together to consider again the wonder of thy loving grace, the miraculous grace of God's free grace, we want to thank thee that we've been given an open Bible that we may in freedom be yet gathered to not only declare thy glory, but to receive a manifestation of that glory in the gospel. We thank thee, Father, for that young Israelite girl of years ago who spoke to her mistress, who spoke of the one who who carried the word of God. And we thank thee, Lord, that in the mercies of God, Naaman was healed. And we pray, Lord, that as we ponder the the mystery, the joy, the wonder of, of the gospel call, that we too may day by day respond with thanksgiving. And we do pray, Lord, for the world that is perishing. We pray, Lord, that others may be brought to this call and to the obedience of faith. So, Lord, go before us as we continue in our meditations this day, as we ponder the great things of God and as we are called to come again this afternoon. Lord, Bless what is awaiting thy blessing, and hear us for Jesus' sake. Amen.